what they saw was skeletal remains chewed up and chewed over and the clothing that she'd been wearing. Somebody else might have taken her there or taken her body there and dumped it just off the track. There is a cloud of suspicion over her disappearance and death. Found with the body or near the body was a bottle or a container of poison. I'm Andrew Rule. this is Life and Crimes. Today we're going to look at the distressing case of a woman who called herself Samantha Wilson. Samantha Wilson apparently was not her real name. It was a name that she used when she was staying away from people who wanted to track her down. It would appear that the woman who called herself Samantha had got herself into some trouble interstate in Queensland, which is where I think she came from, and possibly in New South Wales, where she later went. And the long story short is that she ended up in the northeast high country of Victoria, where she turned up somehow, somewhere around 2016. Exactly how she got there, we don't yet know, and probably it doesn't matter that much, but she washed up there, clearly someone with a chequered past. It seemed clear to those who knew her up there, and some of them quite liked her, that she wasn't totally frank about her past and her whereabouts and where she'd been and so on, but it did appear that she'd been in trouble interstate, that she owed money interstate for whatever reason, and probably that her real name was not Samantha Wilson because, according to some people who knew her in that time, she didn't seem to have any identification documents in that name, no driver's licence or any of the usual things. So it was just a convenient name that she used And it would appear that maybe she'd worked at some point in the sex industry interstate. But anyway, by the time she gets to the northeast of Victoria, south of Myrtleford in a very remote spot called Abbey Yard, she's hooked up with a local fellow called David Grady. David Grady at that time was living in this high mountain valley in this district called Abbey Yard. Called Abbey Yard because one of the early settlers in about the 1870s built a big log cabin style house. And this settler had originally come, I think, from Kentucky or at least from America. And he built the house in the style that he was accustomed to building back in, in the States. And the roof line had a very steep pitch on it which reminded some people of an abbey-style roof in abbeys in England. And so the district got the name from this house built by this guy, this American guy, whose name I think was Morgan. Unusual place. It's a long, thin valley. Uh, It's pretty well ringed with mountains. And the main landholder up there is a mountain cattleman who runs uh, Angus Cattle, in the valley. He owns property there. I think he's also got grazing leases. And he was inclined to employ people who could stay up there on the land in a little house or cabin and keep an eye on his cattle, keep an eye on his fences, keep, you know, 
thieves away and all that sort of stuff. And apparently this man, David Grady, was at least one of the people that this cattleman employed or allowed to live on the property. And Grady was, I think, a sometimes shearer, certainly a bush worker, a guy that was a thoroughly competent country worker. He could work on farms, he could do fencing and stock work. A very keen hunter, which was one of the attractions for him to live and work there because the district is surrounded by bush that's full of deer and full of wild dogs and kangaroos and all the rest of it. And this guy was a keen deer hunter. He also used to shoot wild dogs because they are a menace and a pest and they kill uh, livestock. And David Grady apparently was the main man in a group of hunters who regarded that district as their particular patch where they hunted deer, you know, every season, every year, and tended to keep other hunters out of it. Not that there's anything wrong with that. The woman who's in 2016 is around 50 years of age, Samantha Wilson, so-called, she moves in to one of these properties with David Grady. She lives there. And from what we can judge by the social media posts that she sent out, she really loved it for a while. She got on well, as, as happens when people first get together. And She sent out photographs of herself luxuriating in an outdoor bath and, you know, holding a glass of wine or whatever and saying, this is paradise, this is heaven, you know, all that sort of stuff. And that was really good. But now and again, according to the locals, and we can't vouch for the truth of this, but it's probably true enough. Now and again, apparently, she would leave the district and go over the border, possibly to Albury or to Wagga Wagga, or possibly just to Wodonga, where she would pick up some casual um, off-the-books sort of work. And she would get some cash together over a few weeks and then come back to the valley at Abbey Yard. And at some point by about 2018, so she might have been there 18 months, two years, she falls out with her partner, David Grady, apparently. Because David Grady, around that time in 2018, takes up with another woman who I don't know where she came from or who she was. And it probably doesn't matter. But he takes up with another woman, as can happen when people are used to having sort of serial relationships. And Samantha Wilson falls out of favour and it turns out that she's not seen. Now, a lot of people assumed that she had just left the district in the dead of night, that she'd bolted. Because, you know, after all, she had left the district before to go away and work. And I guess, you know, she left again to go away and work and just didn't come back, well, that wouldn't be a great surprise to everybody because eventually that would probably happen. But anyway, there's no sign of Samantha Wilson. But what does happen is that someone, we won't say who, but someone starts to post online some very vitriolic and savage and vicious remarks about Samantha Wilson, calling her bad names, uh, saying that she was a bad person who'd done bad things, that she was on the run from the law, that she owed money, that she defrauded somebody somewhere of $30,000, etc., etc. Some of this might have been based on the truth. It might have been completely...
completely made up. It's hard to know. But it was certainly posted online after she vanished. And in light of subsequent events, you'd have to wonder whether someone manipulated someone else to do that, merely to make Samantha Wilson look worse than she was, and also to make it look as if she had motivations to go on the run and be a fugitive and hide out. And that would be a convenient cover-up if, for instance, you knew that she wasn't on the run. If, for instance, you knew that, in fact, she was no longer alive. And that is what happened. As far as anyone knows, the last time she was seen around Abbey Yard was in August, that is late winter, of 2018. She's not seen again, but in May 2019, and this is a good eight or nine months later, a deer hunter in that area is walking around through the bush with his dogs, deer hunter or deer hunters, plural, with dogs, the hound dogs they use to sort of pick up the scent of the deer. And the dogs go over to a particular patch of bush and are sniffing around and uh, it attracts their handlers, the hunters, and they follow the dogs up and there's this patch of bush and they see behind a bit of a log the remains of a body. Now, basically what they saw, and I've seen the photographs which are not great, I have to say, what they saw was skeletal remains chewed up and chewed over and the clothing that she'd been wearing. Now, it had been winter up there and she'd been wearing fairly heavy clothing, a hat, sort of a parka raincoat thing, and some sort of pants and very heavy gumboots, interestingly. Now, this is, as far as the hunters know, they just can see that it's the remains of a human. They may not have been able to tell it was female, to be honest. They contact the police, naturally. The police come up. The police take control of the remains, which are basically bones with some bits of gristle and flesh and stuff attached to it, not much. And they take it down to Melbourne and it's examined forensically. And it's only after some time that the police are able to piece together the story and the forensics and identify the remains as belonging to the woman who called herself Samantha Wilson. Now, it turns out that by the time the police do this, they've actually identified Samantha's real name, which was, we believe, Tracy Lee Whittaker, and that Tracy Lee Whittaker had indeed a chequered past in Queensland and New South Wales, that she had a daughter, at least one daughter, in, I think, Queensland, a daughter called Tessa. We won't use her surname here, no reason to. And that, in fact, she had not been seen by anyone who knew her or loved her since August 2018. So it would appear to the police and to the people at the coroner's court that probably she's gone missing around the time of August or September 2018 and turned up dead a few kilometres away from where she'd been living. And we'll be back after this. A troubled young woman. Her evil parents. We never had any issues between us. Has justice been done? 
I'm in a prison. Join journalist Richard Gilliatt as he delves into one of Australia's most gripping cases. Shadow of Doubt, a new podcast investigation from The Australian. I cannot find one of these allegations that's possible. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts. Now, where the body was found is about five kilometres into pretty rough territory. It's steep country up there. If you go to walk out of the valley at all, you're walking uphill. And apparently the body was found just off a sort of a hairpin bend in a rough bush track that had been bulldozed with a bulldozer in the past, and it was a a switchback, what they call a switchback. If you push a path or a track into a hillside, you have to zigzag back and forth, and you make a series of switchbacks, which are hairpin bends, and the, the bulldozer has to build up a lot of earthworks to get around the corner so that you could have a path to drive on or to walk on. Now, it would seem that her body was sufficiently close to this switchback corner that it might have possibly been pitched off the track or dragged off the track there, which suggests that maybe if she didn't walk there herself and commit suicide there, which is conceivable, that somebody else might have taken her there or taken her body there and dumped it just off the track on this switchback, which would be a natural place to pull up pretty well. You'd have to slow down there anyway, and it would give you a steep drop over which you could drag a body easily using gravity. And it seemed to the police that there was a good working theory that someone else had dumped her body there and that she'd actually died elsewhere. Now, found with the body or near the body was a bottle or a container of poison. Again, it's conceivable that um, Samantha or Tracy, whichever name we use, had killed herself in some way, possibly using poison, the poison found near her body. And that it's possible that she'd walked five kilometres on a rough track, mostly uphill, in her heavy gumboots, footwear that some people would think you might wear around a muddy farmyard to feed the chooks or that sort of stuff, but that you would not choose to wear to walk a long way. Mind you, if you are in a suicidal state of mind, perhaps you're not choosing what footwear you put on, so who knows. But certainly those who saw the remains, and I, I have seen the photographs, which are obtained by my colleague Mark Butler, who's worked on this story extensively with Anika Simonis and other reporters. And their impression is that the investigators think it's highly suspicious and that she was possibly or probably dumped there, that the circumstances are moderately sinister and that in those circumstances... The usual police procedure, as we've so often said in these podcasts and stories and everything else, the Homicide Squad are obliged to rule out the people closest to the deceased first. So when A goes missing or is dead, A's husband or lover or boyfriend or brother or sister or parents or whatever are the first people that are spoken to. Because probably eight out of ten times, as we've often said, when something bad happens to us, usually 
it's been done by someone close to you, someone that you know well, not by a stranger. And the police obviously have to eliminate the nearest and dearest first. And in this case, one of the people that they looked at because he'd been Tracy or Samantha's partner was David Grady. And indeed, they'd fallen out. You know, he'd taken up with somebody else and they'd presumably had harsh words. Who knows? And so the police had a good look at him. Now, that doesn't mean he did it. That doesn't mean he did anything bad at all. But it's interesting in the context of the police investigation that they've uncovered people up there who are fairly nervous about a bloke like David Grady. He's a tough rural worker. He's used to working with animals. He's got a bit of a temper. His fellow deer hunters had noted that he was very territorial and that when other hunters would come into that patch of the woods because he sort of lived there, he thought that he was the sheriff of the district and he would bounce anybody that turned up there and get quite angry with them and send them away. Meanwhile, the big police in the big city, investigators in Melbourne, whether the homicide detectives or others, have taken a fair interest in David Grady's whereabouts and in his movements and in uh, the consistency of his story and so on and so forth. Again, we are in no way suggesting that he's done anything wrong, merely pointing out that the police and other authorities have interviewed him about the disappearance of the woman that he called Samantha Wilson. And we'll be back after this to finish our story. Access a world of true crime podcasts on CrimeX Plus, where award-winning journalists take a deep dive into unsolved cases. Every week, we're waking up to a dead woman, a dead mother, sister, auntie, grandmother. It's not good enough. From the team that brought you The Teacher's Pet, Shadow of Doubt, and Dying Rose, unlock early, ad-free, and bonus content from brand new series and flagship shows such as I Catch Killers with Gary Jubilin. One was shot in the mouth, and I thought he was dead. Another one been shot with a shotgun and I got the overspray. Search for CrimeX Plus on Apple Podcasts to start digging deep into the world of true crime. In the end, of course, all we can add to this is probably speculation and hearsay, but our reporters have spoken to a range of people in that district and the surrounding districts. I've done this myself. I've got contacts in the Mountain Cattlemen Association and other places, and it seems they're all singing from the same song sheet. They say that, you know, it's clear that her past was checkered, uh, etc., etc., but there is a cloud of suspicion over her disappearance and death. One person who didn't want to be named said, everyone up here is adamant that she did not take her own life, whether that person literally means everyone, I'm not sure. Maybe some people think she did take her own life. Maybe some people would think, well, she probably had enough troubles that she's capable of taking her own life because, you know, she had trouble with the law, her latest relationship has broken down, she owed money, whatever. 
maybe they're the circumstances that lead you to kill yourself, and that is true. But clearly, the few people who knew Samantha Wilson at Abbey Yard and in that district up near Myrtleford don't really believe that. They think she met foul play. If you can help police in any way on this matter, or others, there is information about Crime Stoppers in the description of this episode. Likewise, if you are worried about self-harm, you can get help by looking for the numbers also in the description. Thanks for listening. Life and Crimes is a Sunday Herald Sun production for True Crime Australia. Our producer is Jonty Burton. For my columns, features and more, go to heraldsun.com.au forward slash Andrew Rule, one word. For advertising inquiries, go to newspodcasts sold at news.com.au. That is all one word, newspodcasts sold. And if you want further information about this episode, links are in the description.